0: This podcast covers all things health, your body, your brain, and your well-being. Each week, we'll be joined by doctors as well as the occasional guest to talk about the health topics that mean the most to you.
1: How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba.
2: Through a survey shared with the Parkinson's Foundation community, we found that close to 50% of people with Parkinson's and their care partners leave the doctor's office following a diagnosis without educational resources or information on what the future holds. To arm people who are newly diagnosed with the knowledge, tools, and resources they need as they begin their own personal journey with the disease— The Parkinson's Foundation launched the Newly Diagnosed Building a Better Life with Parkinson's Disease initiative in October 2019. This is the first national initiative ever launched specifically targeting the needs and priorities for people newly diagnosed with PD. For today's episode, I spoke with Anna Hedges, a Parkinson's Foundation helpline specialist who has fielded calls from people with PD, many of them first-time callers after receiving a new diagnosis. She describes some of the many questions people have asked and the kinds of resources the foundation can provide. Gretchen Rossworm, now the chair of the People with Parkinson's Council at the foundation, describes her path to getting a new Parkinson's diagnosis, how she came to terms with it, and how she found much-needed and comforting resources through the foundation. Gretchen, we hear that for some people, a Parkinson's diagnosis is actually a relief. It's an explanation for what they've been experiencing but have unexplained symptoms. Other people might be stunned by it. They struggle with what the future may look like. So can you tell us what your experience was when you received a diagnosis?
1: Well, I was very surprised, but I think that was more of a desire to not have Parkinson's. I was having a couple of years of different symptoms that we couldn't, as a doctor or as a family, couldn't figure out, including depression and um, a very small tremor in my foot. And I, as I said, ignored them for quite a while and then eventually went to the doctor. So it was probably almost two years before I went to the doctor and he sent me to the neurologist and of course I got the diagnosis at that time and I was surprised and I really should not have been because of what had been going on with me and also my family. I know of at least four people in my kind of bigger family that have Parkinson's or had Parkinson's. It was somewhat of a relief to know but still devastating in its own way. When you've gone through that with others, with my sister especially, having Parkinson's at a very young age, I had seen kind of how it goes and it was terrifying. And so I turned my head the other way.
2: It sounds like you had a fairly straight path, though, to getting a diagnosis from your primary care to a neurologist. But some people go through multiple doctors, I take it, before they get a definitive diagnosis.
1: My examples fairly unusual. I think based on the number of people I've talked to who had all kinds of different and strange diagnoses, most of them, you know, being on the younger side. And if you don't see a neurologist or especially a movement disorder specialist, you might not get a true diagnosis for a number of years.
2: And you then joined the People with Parkinson's Council of the Parkinson's Foundation. Is that right?
1: I did. I decided once I accepted the diagnosis, and everyone goes through a period of accepting, which can be immediately or over time, which is more my situation. But once I accepted the diagnosis, I started looking for things I could do to make a difference, in part because of the situation with my family and so many people having Parkinson's within my family, but also a desire to make a difference for the community. So I looked at the Parkinson's Foundation and other Parkinson's based foundations, and I selected the Parkinson's Foundation as the one that I wanted to be involved with because I called the helpline after my diagnosis and I saw the wealth of materials and support that the foundation provides, and it gave me hope. And so then I started to understand more about how the foundation supports the community, and one of those areas is through the People with Parkinson's Advisory Council, and I applied and was selected. And so that has been probably the biggest part of what I want to do in the Parkinson's community to help others and to help guide and steer the strategy of connection with people with Parkinson's and their families and caregivers.
2: Here is a quick word from our sponsor.
0: We take this few seconds off to inform you our valued loyal listener about the best health and fitness podcast shows from the Nespod studios. Enjoy the show.
2: You said the Foundation has a wealth of material. Can it be overwhelming? Is it organized well enough so that someone who's newly diagnosed can come in and see very targeted, useful information?
1: It's very helpful. I remember the first time I visited the Foundation website I was looking for information specifically about depression, and I found it right away. I actually ordered several books from the foundation, which were sent to me, and I can remember opening them up and reading them and what difference that made to me, because I didn't want to talk to other people about what was going on yet. Only my husband knew of my diagnosis. But when I connected with the Parkinson's Foundation, I started to feel like I could go beyond me. I could start to think about the bigger picture for my family and you know, in this case, I was worried about my mental health as well.
2: Let me ask Anna, since you've been on the helpline for 10 years, what are some of the most commonly asked questions and what kind of reactions do you get from callers who have been recently diagnosed?
1: For many callers, there's a sense of relief to just talk to someone who they can ask questions of that knows what they're talking about. So common questions include, is there a cure? Is there a way to slow or stop progression? What is the best diet? What's the best exercise? It's really interesting because we did a survey in 2019 and we found that nearly 50% of people diagnosed leave the doctor's office without any educational information. So the helpline and our newly diagnosed kit really helped fill that gap.
0: There
2: was nothing really before doctors didn't, Did they have a brochure or how did they deal with it?
1: At our Centers of Excellence, hopefully we have a lot of materials that we spread to them and they're spreading out. But a lot of people go to just a general neurologist or maybe even just their primary care to get a diagnosis. And unfortunately, a lot of those doctors don't know about the great services that we have, and so they don't provide any information. I think a lot of the doctors uh, just assume, well, they'll go on the Internet and figure it out for themselves, and that's not really fair.
2: And oftentimes they advise not going to the Internet in general because you can get good information, questionable information, and probably bad information, too, without some guidance. What's in this kit for newly diagnosed people?
1: Well, it's a folder, and it has actionable steps lists in the folder. It also has a letter from our CEO and a member of our Parkinson's Council that sort of introduces them to the foundation and what materials we offer.
2: Gretchen, did you have... Other questions when you first got your diagnosis, you had mentioned mental health and depression was one aspect. Was there something or some things else that you were interested in?
1: There were a lot of questions running through my mind. What I found is once I had the diagnosis, I wanted to understand more about the disease. One of the things I remember when I first started visiting the Parkinson's Foundation website. And after I had been diagnosed, I would read these feature stories about individuals and families who are living with Parkinson's. And it made me feel a relief there because I was connecting with people who felt like my people. (laughs) They were going through some of the same things I had gone through. They were going through things that I hadn't yet happened yet, but could very well happen. And I just, you know, started to not feel alone. I started to feel like I had community with me and that's the way it's gone ever since i mean the the foundation is a terrific way to connect with other people who are walking your walk especially for caregivers as well as people with parkinson's it's been a lifeline i think for many 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 people
2: did you find either a self-imposed stigma or feeling it from other people or perceiving it even if it wasn't there
1: i feel that some people are scared Of Parkinson's and that sometimes they almost think it's contagious so there is a need for people to understand more about what it is and what it isn't I think that when I was diagnosed people thought I would immediately quit work you know and it's been almost three years ago and I'm still working and I'm still extremely active and healthy and that's part of the message that the foundation helps to get out is this is not the end but in many ways it's a new beginning
2: Anna, what do you think the helpline offers specifically to people who are newly diagnosed?
1: Well, I think it's a chance for people to talk freely and not be judged. And it's a place to get emotional support from someone who's not as emotionally intertwined as a family member might be. It's a first step uh, to getting information about what to expect. Some people, you know, that are newly diagnosed may not feel comfortable going to an in-person support group, especially during COVID-19. So the helpline is a space to talk to someone who has an inkling of what they're going through. And, you know, to Gretchen's point, if people don't understand or know that PD could affect their mood, we can be a sounding board and we offer specialized materials about mental health and referrals to mental health specialists.
2: I suppose it's a way to sort of ease into the acceptance. You're not in person. You're sort of uh, separated from the person you're talking to. It's a little bit anonymous until you get comfortable with the whole thing and then maybe go to in-person support groups when they're allowed outside of the pandemic.
1: Parkinson's creates a lot of activity in your body and brain that has to be managed in some way, and mindfulness is a way to do that. The Parkinson's Foundation... Offers mindfulness Mondays, and it's a great way for all of us to connect with an opportunity to uh, slow down our thoughts, calm down for those of us who may have anxiety. Mindfulness Monday, I may be sitting at home, but I'm connecting with a whole bunch of other people around the world, frankly, who are working together to find some mindfulness and relaxation as a large group of people with Parkinson's or caregivers.
2: I think we'll also have a podcast coming up in a month or so, which talks about Tai Chi, which seems to be both a physical and a meditative kind of activity.
1: I love Tai Chi. That's really been a good help for me.
2: Now, there is also on the um, Parkinson website available PD conversations, which is people writing about their experiences and it sort of provides peer-to-peer support. Is it helpful to see what other people have gone through or are thinking of, even at whatever stage they're at in their Parkinson's?
1: I have found PD conversations to be very interesting and also impactful because, as we said, everyone's walking down the walk of Parkinson's, but we all have a little bit different walk that we're taking. We may have different symptoms or different issues, We may have emotional or family challenges, whatever it might be, and you can go onto PD conversations and very independently, not anyone knowing who you are, you can raise that issue or question and get back very thoughtful and different kind of suggestions and ideas from other people. I found it very helpful.
2: We're sort of coming to the end here, but... Do either or both of you have anything you want to add, anything important we've missed, or things just based on your own experiences?
1: One thing I always tell newly diagnosed patients is that we did a study a while back and found that people that exercise 2.5 hours a week have a slower decline in quality of life than people that don't exercise. So we really encourage people to exercise. It's a great way to manage your mood and a great way to, you know, as some researchers think, may be able to slow down the progression.
2: I actually have a friend who was diagnosed. He was getting stiffness in his arms. He eventually, not too long after, went on medication. He's now doing the speed bag an hour a day and Mm -hmm. saying his previously stiff arm is up to the speed of his other side so he really got religion he also has a boxing instructor once a week and he's in good shape that's great well i really appreciate it this was uh, very informative
1: this will conclude the episode
0: thanks for tuning in if you like what you hear please leave a comment and subscribe thank you